Okay. Excuse me while I get this in my pocket. That was amazing. Thank you, Nathan. This little contraption that I'm playing with here, it's for our podcast. So if you can't be here, you can always tune in on our website to our podcast. This is our very high-tech contraption for that. (laughs) Have you ever seen a baby discover their hands? Oh, my hands aren't much bigger than a baby's, are they? (laughs) When a baby discovers that they have hands, oftentimes they're so like, amazed by them and like curious about them and they they can also get a little obsessed with them like wow look at this it's so I don't know what the the right word is but to see a, a tiny being discovering itself right in front of you it's so, I get tender, tender's the word that's coming up, um, which is so appropriate because Tamara, you know, took us through such a tender meditation, and Nathan's song was so tender as well, and, and being with new life that's discovering its body. And the cool thing about it is that There is no judgment or shame or embarrassment in that baby discovering their hands for the first time. No preconceived ideas about what they should or shouldn't look like, how big or small, how smooth or wrinkly, none of that. There is just an awe to it like wow look at that our book of the month this month is Sonia Renee Taylor's the body is not an apology and it'll all be up here if you want to look at it afterward and one of the things that she teaches is that baby who discovered its hands, who was completely open and amazed and curious about its own body, that baby was you. You did that at one point in your life. You looked at your body with complete and utter amazement, without any judgment or shame. How often does that happen now as an adult? (laughs) That wasn't meant to be funny, but it kind of is, huh? (laughs) How often? You know, so often when I'm like looking in the mirror or walking through my day, it's more like, Oh, I wish that was a little tighter, a little smoother, a little bit stronger, a little bit less painful. 
little bit more flexible maybe. And those messages, not only do they happen inside of me, but they're reinforced all around us all day long. Even if we don't watch telly, they're just like in the ethers coming at us. And yet, the body, the physical body, is an absolute expression of the divine. And the, the real interesting thing that kind of touched on me this week, because I kind of live in these topics that I talk about on Sunday, I live in them all week long. And one of the interesting things is that came up was, was that spirit created us as unique as the snowflakes, right? Like we could have been created, humans could have been created with identical bodies, but we don't, we aren't. So I'd like to believe that that is part of a divine plan and purpose, that we're shaped differently, that we look different, that we're different heights, that we have different races and cultures, that that's a divine purpose at play, a divine purpose unfolding. Well, humans being the funny buggers that we are, don't always embrace that divine plan, do we? There's been quite a bit of violence in the world enacted upon bodies, upon entire groups of bodies. But we have teachers who embody some ideas that they bring to us to help us heal. And I want to tell you about the time that we're in now is something called the Gandhi King Season for Nonviolence. It started on January 30th and it runs through April 4th. And I'm going to read a little bit about it because I want to make sure I get it right. Okay. So the Gandhi King season for nonviolence. The purpose of this campaign is to focus educational and media attention on the philosophy of obtaining peace through nonviolent action as demonstrated by legendary leaders Mohandas K. Gandhi, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., Cesar Chavez, and President Nelson Mandela, as well as living legends such as His Holiness Tenzin Gyatso the 14th Dalai Lama of Tibet. So every year during this time, there's a focus on cultivating peace through nonviolent resistance. And so I want to talk just a little bit about Gandhi and King because the, the season for nonviolence starts on the day that Gandhi was assassinated. He was assassinated on January 30th, 1948. And yet he stood for India's independence 
through nonviolent resistance, through easing poverty. He stood for women's rights and building religious harmony and ending untouchability in India. This is what he stood for, gives me chills. Now Martin Luther King Jr., he was an American Christian minister and activist, a leader in the civil rights movement from 1955 until his assassination on April 4th, 1968. He was very much inspired by Gandhi and he stood for racial equality, nonviolent resistance, easing poverty and ending international conflicts. These two men, they stood for this change and transformation in the culture and in the community through nonviolent means. And at the time, there were plenty of people who disagreed with them, who wanted actually to respond with violence by any means to change. And so they wanted to use violence to make those changes. But these two people had such a strong message of peace that their message still lives today. It vibrates through us. And the season for nonviolence is a way for us to, to like touch back into that and to remember the power of standing firm for your belief and to speak it out and to remember it. The cool thing about the season for nonviolence, you can Google it because they have a big website with a whole bunch of free resources. They have resources for church communities, for parents, for schools, and for everyday people. And so today is day four in the season for nonviolence. And I just, it fits so well with our theme this month and with our topic. This is part of, uh, they publish 64 practices. So it's one thing you can practice every day uh, during the season for nonviolence. And this is today's, and I'm quoting this from their website, website. When I regard my life as a trust, I realize that the first resource I have to take care of is my own body. This can be startling. Even my body is not really my own. It belongs to life and it is my responsibility to take care of it. Taking care of it is a demonstration of nonviolence. Life as a trust. You know I looked that word up in the dictionary. <laughs> Teach us dictionary. Something com committed or entrusted to one's care for use or safekeeping. To take responsibility, to take charge. That's the definition I chose for your life as a trust. Something that has been given to you. Your life has been entrusted to you.
your body has been entrusted to you. Now, we often think of violence as physical violence, but there are plenty other forms, such as judgment or criticism, putting oneself down or living in shame. These are also forms of violence. And sometimes they're so common in our minds that we don't even notice them. And what makes this particular one so hard too is that it's often uh, socially supported to be violent against yourself. And especially the body. You know, it's, uh, it's very common to talk about um, how you're going to change your body or what you're going to do to make your body different. But there's so, an interesting thing that happened, and I promise this relates. I'm going to circle it back. might not sound like it at first. But one of the things that happened when I moved from the States here, so I was most recently living in Portland, Oregon for the last six years before I moved here this past summer. Uh, I'm in my, you know, in 2019, and I'm just so excited because it's like my first winter, my first spring, you know, it's, I got freezing rain on me this morning, but I'm like, this is a first in BC for me. <laughs> it's really silly. I'm like that baby with the hand. <laughs> Look, wow. But one of the things that I had to give up was my house plants. I did not let go of them easily because I don't even like do house plants in my life. I've ne I like I keep waiting like someday the green thumb is going to kick in and I'm going to want a garden and plant right like hasn't happened yet. Um, but the funny thing happened when I was in Portland, people gifted me plants, house plants. They gifted them to me quite a bit. And at first I was like, oh, I'm going to kill this plant. <laughs> and it, it scared me. But, you know, I guess maybe it's because in the Pacific Northwest, it's so much easier. Like plants, you don't have to do much with them here, right? There's lots of light and water, great weather. So my plants, they started to like grow. And I started to really love them. And I, I started to like tend to them. And not only that, because I never bought any for myself. So each one had like, oh, I know this friend bought this for me for my 40th birthday. This friend, the practitioner students gave this one to me. You know, like each one had like special meaning and occasion with them. And, I, and one day I was watering my plants and I was, t I was telling the plants, Oh, I love you and I want you to flourish. And I was just, and I started, this is a mantra that I started to say every time I was watering my plants. And the reason why this came up this week was because I got my first house plant last Sunday. <laughs> Here, a community member gave me a Zen garden and 
I love it so much and I'm watering it this week and I'm thinking I love you and I want you to flourish actually I was spraying it with a spray bottle spraying I love you and I want you to flourish and then it struck me this is what my body needs to hear I love you and I want you to flourish I haven't said that to my body very much but it's been entrusted to me and I want to say it more my house plants will help me spray the plant spray myself <laughs> the message goes to both of us Oh, so many wonderful things I want to say. And uh, the 2020 journal, the spiritual journal that we have, this is, this journal, it, it has a place for us to write in every week and to keep notes on. And this is for all the centers for spiritual living across the world. We're mainly in North America, by the way, but we are international. It has, it has our like themes and our themes for the month and our talk titles and so forth. And, and it reminds me of some of the things that we're focusing on as a, as a larger spiritual community. Uh, I do have to warn you that I, I change everything uh, because you know, it has to inspire me too. So I, I change the themes, but there's space for you to write them here. Even though we're still on the same topic, I, I have my own, um, my own take to them. So February is the body of love. That's our theme for this month. I love you and I want you to flourish. That's the message for our bodies. And one of the things that the, that the journal pointed out today was that February is honoring Black History Month. And so I did a little bit of research and found that uh, Canada also adopts, honors Black History Month in February. And so I wanted to just share with you that it's, we started observing it officially as a country in 1996 and it was initiated by Jean Augustine, the first black woman elected as a member of parliament in Canada. Neat, right? So I thought this, I'm so glad that I have this book to remind me and, and to bring those elements in and just, by the way, we have a few of these left and they're on sale today. If you wanna buy one, they're only 15 bucks. So you can take one home with you too. And, and changing the, the theme to the body of love, it struck me that you are the body of love, that I am the body of love. And in foundations class that we're teaching right now, we're working with affirmations. 
And so if you want to kind of join us in one of the, the practices that we're doing, you can find an affirmation for yourself, write it down. If you want to take, I am the body of love, you can practice that and put it around your space and remind yourself, ooh, especially in the bathroom, that's a good place to remind, to be reminded that you are the body of love, right there on the mirror. I want to read to you a little bit from Sonia Renee Taylor, who's the one who reminded me about the babies. Listen up. Radical self-love is deeper, wider, and more expansive than anything we could call self-confidence or self-esteem. It's juicier than self-acceptance, including the word radical offers us a self-love that is the root or origin of our relationship to ourselves. We did not start life in a negative partnership with our bodies. I have never seen a toddler lament the size of their thighs, the squishiness of their bellies. <laughs> Children do not arrive here ashamed of their race, gender, age, or disabilities. Babies love their bodies. So we get to be as babies this week. You can't throw a tantrum. Well, you can, but maybe privately. <laughs> and remember that this innate, inherent appreciation for being spirit in physical form, no matter what it looks like or no matter what it feels like, there is a divine purpose and plan and pattern of perfection in every cell in your body. One of the things I notice about aging is that it doesn't always feel the best. But one of the things I've started doing is when I feel the pain in my left knee or my right foot or my right ear, I try to treat it like a plant. The plant that I want, that I water and care for and that I want to flourish. When I feel that pain, I kind of go with that mantra of, I love you. I'm sorry you hurt and I love you. I'm sorry, knee, that you're hurting, and I love you. Because honestly, my initial reaction is one of like resistance. Uh, not again. But even if I can practice even once or twice, three, four, five times in a day, I'm sorry you're hurting, and I love you. There are many people in my life who I also had wished had told me those words. And so sometimes when I tell myself, I'm sorry you're hurting and I love you, sometimes I also just hold the pain of somebody important to me not saying that to me 
and I just kind of hold that part of myself together with my knee or my foot, right? And I tell it, I'm sorry you're in pain and I love you. Because I, as, as my own resentment or resistance begins to just fade, even if for just a moment, my heart cracks open a little bit more and I can feel the blessings of life, of just being alive, even though sometimes it really sucks. <laughs> I'm still here in this body at this time from the family I came from in this community with you and that is a gift and a blessing and something I hope I'm always a little bit in awe of the season for nonviolence they give us uh, a practice to to try out so I love giving you homework I don't check it though so you're good <laughs> Here's today's homework. Cherry's going to pull it up for you too. Today I will make a list of at least five ways that I can take care of myself physically and or mentally. And I will honor that list today through demonstration. Your body has been entrusted to you. How will you take care of your sacred body this week. And so it is. We have a few minutes for uh, questions and answers. Sometimes I have one, sometimes I don't. But your questions are very welcomed. Who has a question? Of the quote or the homework? The quote? Can we put the quote up? Thank you. Gravity. <laughs> what can you do about it? Who else has a question? Well, rather than a, a question, I just wanted to add that there's a great man that's one of my heroes. His name is Gene Sharp. He was an American professor, and he founded the Albert Einstein Institute, and it's based exactly on what you were talking about. And he codified non-resistance into a system which protesters and people trying to overthrow dictatorships could actually use, and they used it in Yugoslavia, in Serbia, to mm. uh, overthrow the dictatorship of Slobodan Milosevic. Wow. So nonviolence as a system actually works better mm -hmm. than violence. Yes, it does. I'm going to just repeat that. What is your name? Marcus. Marcus just said nonviolence as a system is actually better than 
violence. Absolutely. And the name of the professor? Professor Jean Sharp. Professor Jean Sharp. So you can look him up on the brilliant interwebs and learn a little bit more about systematizing nonviolent resistance. Thank you. Who else? Rita. I'm just wondering how many people are really meditating on the day today. 02, 02, 2020. Oh, yes. So uh, Rita is mentioning the date today. Today is February 2nd, 2020, 0202-2020. My husband told me this before I left this morning. He said, what, I, now I can't remember. You guys will have to correct me. Is it an anagram? Palindrome. palindrome? palindrome. A, see, I, I love it. It's a, today's a palindrome. Super neat date. Super great date to like love yourself fully. Who else? Alan. Uh, maybe this isn't a question, but an observation that um, it's been fascinating to me that uh, that turn of perspective to, to think in terms of um, everybody being the divine expressing. And it just reminds me to uh, pay attention to how uh, the divine uh, speaks to us all. Mm. And that, that divine voice can come in any number of ways uh, if I pay attention. Yes. Because I notice that I'm too frequently surprised <laughs> where the, the voice comes from and what it says. Yes. Yes. So Alan is encouraging us to take some time to listen. To listen to spirit speaking to you and through you to take the time to tune into that. I love, you know, I love that. Yeah. Who has a question? Yes. Um, is there a correlation between the trust embodied and karma, or is that for another service? So the, the question is, is there a correlation between trust of your body and karma, karma as like you reap what you sow more or less yes what do you think yes yes there's the short answer yes <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely uh, you're reminding me to um, I do this thing where I sit down with my journal and this is one of the ways I tune in. And I just ask my soul questions. I write it out. I say, soul, blah, blah, blah. And I just ask my question, whatever it is. And then I just listen and I write down whatever comes to my mind first. And when I was asking this, didn't make it in today's talk, so it's great that you're bringing it in. But this connection between allowing our emotions to move through the body as a way of loving the body. Because they live in the body, our emotions live in the body. Tamara touched on that too. And this is maybe not directly answering your question, but it comes to mind. 
And we're going to continue with this topic next week as well. So maybe you've planted a seed for next week. But holding space for the emotions that you might feel in your body and allowing them to come up and out is a way of loving your body and being present with your body. And we're going to, we're going to take this all inside for a moment. If you want to close your eyes, I'm going to read a quote from Ernest Holmes, Science of Mind. Just take this in. Know that love is stronger than any other force in the universe and that steadily and rhythmically the life of God is pulsing through your body. Love is stronger than any other force and that life of God is pulsing through your body. So I just take a moment to recognize this truth that the wholeness that is God is moving through the body right here, right now. In this moment, there is perfection and awe and amazement about this miracle of a body, the human body. I remember that this body is one of harmony of health and wholeness, of strength and flexibility, that at the center of every cell is this presence and life of spirit. I remember that is true of myself, as I know that it is true of each and every one listening to this prayer that each one is a unique, magnificent expression of this divine love, this divine life, and that the universe itself came forward in purpose to birth each one here. That exactly where we're at is the unfoldment of love, of truth, of power and presence. And I am so grateful to know that bodies heal, that hearts heal, that any and all pain and discomfort can be gone on the breath. That there is a grace in the love of God that surrounds and folds, leads and guides in every moment. And so I call forth this innate, inherent, intrinsic wholeness. I celebrate it in each one this day, exactly how the body is right now is absolutely sacred, beautiful, amazing, deserves to be celebrated. So with this love, I release my word into the law of divine mind I let it be, and so it is. And so it is. Whew. Yeah.
like, where are we? Where am I? Okay, I'm back. It's time now for our gifts and tithes and offerings and would love for the ushers to come forward. And knowing that money is energy, we infuse it with this loving intention to heal and bless and prosper and all contributions of all sizes are so appreciated. And so let us say our prosperity affirmation together in one voice. I attract all good things into being. The power of my faith enhances my experience of health, relationship, finance, fulfillment, passion, purpose, and joy. The creative source in my life is in a constant state of perfection, freely giving itself as my bounty. And so it is. Mm -hmm. My turn again. And uh, because we're all about the body, we have to sing together. Mm -hmm. Alright? I have something very simple that I want you to sing. And uh, those of you who have known me for a while, you've probably sung this with me before. So, it's called Do That Thing. It's a song about uh, this morning, celebrating the body. And, you know, the answer is not outside, not a mini gizmo, not anything in our culture. It's right here. It's right here in this breath. It's right here in this room. So it, you have two lines that I'd like you to sing. The words are just do it. Just two simple analogies. Do it. Do it. Just that over and over again. Do it. Whatever. 